The Mindspo Podcast. What do you see with your mind's eye? Welcome back. Let's elevate. Roll your shoulders up and back. Unclench your jaw. Elongate your spine as you take a deep breath in. And now, exhale. Now take your mind to that person, place, or thing that you have gratitude for and start to feel into the joy available to you at all times. Elevate into a higher vibration as we expand together and dive into this conversation. Welcome to the Mindspo Podcast. My name's Rochelle Fox. I'm your host. And today I am joined with my fiance and the other half of Mindspo, our other founder, Crystal. Hello again. Hey, baby. So we are here for another episode of Deep Diving with the Souls. This is where we dive into the topics that we normally talk about in the bedroom, in the shower, on long car rides together. And today we thought that we would dive into 10 things that have really changed and transformed our lives. Now, one thing you should know about Soul and I is that if you were to meet us at a cafe, which I kind of feel like you are, like just imagine for this episode that it's you, me, and Soul hanging out at a cafe. We've just run into each other and we are just there downloading all of the things that are on our mind, all of the things that have really shifted our vibration, shifted our life and changed our life in some way, shape or form. So there is going to be a whole mixture of things today. We're going to be diving into diet, lifestyle, tools, ideologies. We're covering it all. So without further ado, let's dive in. Okay, let's dive right into the first one tongue scraping. So if you start doing this, your mouth will never feel the same. Let's just think of it like this. You have a tongue. Your Mm -hmm. tongue is a biological organ, essentially, and it's constantly sitting in moisture. So all I can say is when you discover tongue scraping, you'll realize that every day your tongue builds up a layer, a film. It's like you have a big night out and you wake up in the morning and maybe you forgot to brush your teeth and you're like, oh my God, my mouth feels like a garbage tip. So then you brush your teeth, right? Well, let me just say tongue scraping is like brushing your teeth, but for your tongue. So what you essentially do is you use this little implement, here's one, and you basically just run it over the top of your tongue in the morning or at night. I usually do it twice a day, straight after brushing teeth. And my God, the layer the layer of stuff that comes off your tongue every single day. The layer is of wild. Filth. Once you start, you will never go back to not <laughs> scraping your tongue. And you will suddenly realize the saying, all disease starts in the mouth. Mm. You start to be like, maybe that is the truth. It's just, if I say to someone, hey, you know, do your tongue scrape? And they say, what's that? I, I literally take two steps back because it's like, ooh, that's 30 years, 40 years of never brushing your teeth, essentially. That's how it feels. So tongue scraping, life-changing. Once Mm. you start, you will never go back. If I lose my tongue scraper, I will start using a a butter knife or a spoon. I will have to use some sharp edge just to get that layer off. I think at this point you have to describe what a tongue scraper looks like to everyone that's listening that can't see you right now. So a tongue scraper is basically, it is a curved or a a bent implement. I'm sure there's a bunch of different designs out there, but the one that we use is kind of like, yeah, just just a metal kind of, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's just, it's got an edge. It's not sharp, but it's got a a corner. And then you basically just grab it on either end, put it to the back of your throat, and then just scrape the layer off your tongue. 
Yeah, it's 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 kind of gross, but it's amazing. So I, I want to tell the backstory for this. When we got into meditation and you know just this wild world of wellness and personal growth that we're into, when we discovered meditation, we also discovered Ayurveda, and I feel like that was such a big wake up for, call for us. We were diving into diet and overhauling so many things in our life. And tongue scraping is an ancient Ayurvedic practice, and it is just something that is just an absolute common day thing that you would always do if you're practicing Ayurvedic kind of practices. And when we discovered this, I can't even tell you, it was like 10 years ago, we discovered tongue mm. scraping. Brushing my teeth has never been the same. Yeah. It's wild because like literally as Sol said, if we brush our teeth, but then don't tongue scrape, something feels wrong. It like feels it, incomplete. It feels completely incomplete. It's one of these things that once you start, you'll be like, how have I not been doing this yeah, my whole yeah. entire life? And it's, I, I, how do I describe this? It makes my mouth feel lighter like mm. it is literally like a weight lifted off my head every time my tongue scrape i'm like oh it's like a huge relief it's more satisfying than brushing your teeth that's for sure T- brushing agree. teeth feels like a little bit of a chore tongue scraping it takes just a second and it's always so satisfying mm. you know so yeah once you start make sure when you buy a tongue scraper and you begin just to post something on instagram and tag us because i would love to see what your experience was like the first time you ever tongue scraped uh, we are turning into tongue influences. Yes. We're, we're, we're oral health influences, guys. Not only we want you to look after your mental health, but also your dental health. The second thing that really transformed our life is food and how we approach food. Now, I want to preface this one by saying that we are by no means nutritionists. We are only talking about what works for us. And just one big shift that we made in our own life is that we really started to look at food as fuel. And we also really started to try our best to eat a low inflammation diet and to really minimize gluten in our lives. Now, we're not celiac. We don't have anything like that. We don't have a label on how I eat. We're like, I'm not gluten-free or super low inflam. Like, I don't call it a diet per se. It's just a lifestyle choice. And this lifestyle choice has really helped us with our energy. Chris has this thing where you, what was it that you always say about when you cut out gluten, you went from... Oh my God. I mean, when I was 27, it was about 10 10 years ago or something. I noticed that I was finding it harder and harder to wake up in the morning with energy. Mm. And this had been going on for years. And I remember talking to friends about it. I'm like, you know, I find it really difficult. And they're like, oh, well, you know, we're all getting older. This is normal. And then I remember there was a a period of time where we were listening to podcasts and we're getting very interested in things. And we watched three diet docos in a very short period of time. And it kind of just shifted our awareness from – It just made me understand that like you are what you eat and literally like you are actually made up of the continuous river of matter that you're putting into your mouth. And Mm. if you stop that, you would stop to be. And so then asking yourself, okay, what's the quality of this stuff that I'm putting in? And one of the docos in particular talked about gluten and what it was. And I'm not a nutritionist. This is my field of expertise. So like, you know, take it or leave it. But my understanding was that it's just this kind of like low level poison a little bit because these seeds are meant to turn into plants. And so nature put a little coating of like poison around it to, you know, to to dissuade other animals from eating these seeds. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have one or two or a hundred of them, it's no biggie. But if you make it a staple and you're eating literally tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of these slightly gluten coated seeds all day long in the form of bread and pasta and whatever, you start to get a stomach inflammation. Your body will start to swell and your nutrient absorption gets shut off and you will actually start to get more more sleepy. And so I used to have a big breakfast in the morning with like four slices of toast. And then I'd feel like I'm in a food 
coma afterwards. Or I would drink a six pack of beer and my stomach would kind of swell and I'd get tired. And after watching this doco, I just decided like, all right, let's just see what happens if I eat gluten-free instead. If I leave the bread out and just try to find other means. And my God, Mm. I needed to eat less and I would feel full for longer. And the biggest thing was honestly, I started bouncing out of bed in the morning out of nowhere. Like I used to say that I turned 27 and then the next year I turned 17 because it literally felt like I was 17 again. Mm-hmm. And the thing I will say here is, is I don't eat an exclusively gluten-free diet. I believe the middle way is the way, but it's just about, you know, if you want to go out with your friends and you know, eat a pizza or pasta or whatever and enjoy yourself, then go for it. Have a sugary dessert, all that stuff. I do that as well. But it's in general just about understanding that there is a connection between the quality of the food that you put in and the quality of your life, your, the quality of your thinking, your energy levels. And it's something to pay attention to and to dabble with to see what works for you specifically. And the thing that I realized is I'm not celiac, but I'm definitely affected by gluten. So if I drink a six pack of gluten-free beer, which I did a few years back, my stomach would stay completely flat and I wouldn't get tired, even after six beers. That's usually like, okay, now it's time for bed. Mm -hmm. And if I have a big breakfast, I could eat a giant plate of vegetables and all kinds of stuff. If I leave the gluten out of it, I would feel really full, but my stomach would still be relatively flat. And I would would actually start feeling more energetic within minutes of eating. That, That whole food coma thing, is not because your body is busy digesting. It's because your body is going into an inflammatory state and it's starting to kind of shut down different areas of your body. And that's what's making you sleepy. At least that was my experience. I will say one thing. I had this one memory that really solidified it for us. It was when we were going to Splendor in the Grass and we were in Byron Bay and everyone went out for like a big breakfast after this big night. And basically what happened is everyone went out for this big breakfast and everyone had like a very gluteny big breakfast, like an Australian big breakfast, which is like delicious, right? And Sol and I decided to sans the gluten. So we had this big breakfast still with spinach and tomatoes and we had the sausages and all of these different things, but everything on our plate was gluten-free. So it was more of a paleo kind of base plate. And we got back home and I'll never forget, Sol and I were just like, all right, let's go to the beach. Let's go down. It's such a beautiful day. Let's hang out. Everybody else literally went into a food coma, all had a nap, laid down, like their energy just dropped. And I think for us, it's just been about experimenting. And one thing I'll also say, having, you know, hosted so many retreats and stuff, we're always very mindful of the kind of food that we serve because we know, I can tell you now, when you start, when you're in charge of feeding people and you give people food and you can see the literal energy change in a whole entire group from food, if you give everyone like a glutinous pasta, and then they're meant to go into like healing work everyone will just be absolutely conked out they will have no they'll just they'll, their energy just drops so this is something we've experimented with it's changed our lives yep. and we definitely look at food as fuel and for me these days as you know someone that has recovered from an eating disorder one thing that i've really learned is i used to look at food as just my source of joy because I was trying to use food to fill something else in my soul that I didn't have. And I thought food was the answer. So I would binge and purge. I had a really negative relationship with food. Now food is still joy sometimes, but the main thing I look at food is as it's fuel. It's there. And if I just look at food as joy and I just eat for joy, what ends up happening is that actually takes joy from other areas of my life because I'm tired. I go through mood swings. So these days we're just mindful of that and it has been life-changing because it affects everything. 
Now, the third one, talking about low inflammation and the importance of just like really looking after yourself at like a cellular level and the basics. One thing Sol and I do as often as we can is we go and we put our feet in the soil and we do something called earth grounding. Now, I think people used to look at us and be like, oh, this is so woo-woo. What do you mean? Why, why are you out putting your feet in the soil? And we'd always not have shoes on. Like the amount of people that comment on my social media from other countries that are like, you're not wearing any shoes. I'm like, welcome to Australia. No one wears shoes here. But earth grounding has been such a big thing that has helped me lower my anxiety, lower my arthritic pain. I have really bad arthritis in my right arm. Well, I don't actually anymore, but I used to. Lower just like my stress levels and my overwhelm, calm me down, connect me to nature. Soul really knows a bit of the background of earth grounding and the science behind it. And we'll put some resources in the show notes, but yeah, earth grounding babe, let's talk about it. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, we've all heard the word grounding or, you know, but we don't really think about that. It means anything other than being a tree hugging hippie or something. <laughs> the thing is I'm, I'm all about like practical insights. Yes. And when I found out about the actual implications of grounding, this is really some cutting edge stuff. There's a guy called Clint Ober. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to butcher his life story here, but he's a he's an older gentleman, maybe in his 70s from America. He grew up walking barefoot in nature his whole childhood. He lived in, I think, an Indian reservation or something. And he became an electrician later on in life. So he understood, you know, grounding the electricity, etc. And one day he was sitting outside a shopping center and he saw a huge group of people walk past and they were all wearing the same pair of shoes. They must have had a sale on like sneakers or something and he suddenly realized that none of these people are grounded Mm. so everybody's disconnected from the the earth and now he himself had a bunch of arthritis and sleeping problems and everything else and so he thought he'd just do a test and what he did was he stuck a grounding rod into the soil outside of his house ran a wire to his bedroom put a bunch of like conductive tape over the bed and he and he went to sleep and he had the best sleep he'd ever had and when he woke up in the morning all of his inflammatory pain was gone now this guy is basically working with research institutes and he's trying to really look into this and what they're discovering is is that if your feet are connected to the soil inflammation starts to leave your body Amazing. and there are, this is this is cutting edge stuff there when you there's a great documentary i highly recommend watching it's called the earthing movie it's going to be in the show notes yeah and there is one story in particular where there's some kind of condition where like small babies will just continually cry because they have like nerve pain and there's a woman who literally would say she would be holding the baby the baby would constantly be crying until the moment she puts her feet on the ground barefoot and then the baby suddenly just goes still. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what all of the implications of this are, but all I know is I suddenly have a reason to connect with nature more often. Mm-hmm. And and there is more going on than we're aware of. And here's the thing, our brains run off electricity. Like we we are electrical beings. And then we're sitting in these boxes filled with, you know, 20 Wi-Fi signals and, EMF. you know, connected to the phone, which is connected to the outlet. And we're wondering like, why do I have brain fog? Why do I feel kind of exhausted? Why is my body inflamed? And then here's this simple solution once again, another the forehead slap moment like maybe when was the last time i actually had my feet connected to mother earth yeah. because if you're walking around constantly with you know crocs and whatever else on you're not actually connected so for me it's like i try to as often as possible just to take my feet off whether it's 10 minutes 20 minutes it doesn't matter you know when we're in bali you and me usually we go get a coffee in the morning and then and we then go we to the golf ground. course and we take our feet and we put them on the soil and then we have a chat and stuff and it's just 
it's another life-changing thing for multiple reasons. Not only does it connect you to nature, like literally and mentally, but there are real repercussions related to inflammation, energy, and everything else. And I don't, I'm only scratching the surface here, but it's, it's fascinating. I think one thing we all forget is that we are nature. And we need to go back to nature. And when we're not in nature and when we're disconnected from nature, that is when we feel disconnected from the source because that's what we are. So we need to return back to it. And this is just such a simple habit to be like, oh, when was the last time I earth grounded? And I will tell you now, earth grounding, it is a life changer for headaches. Anytime Mm. Soul and I get a headache, like literally we will be at some apartment or we'll be at someone's house or we'll be in some place that has like a lot of EMF, a lot of signals, a lot of Wi-Fi, a lot of routers. You just go on your phone. You can see there's like 25 signals. My head's just feeling like it's about to explode. I go off. I put my feet on the ground. Within minutes. It just fades away. It's amazing. And for me personally, I'm someone that has had arthritis. This is something that if my arm is hurting and if I'm experiencing that arthritic pain, also that time of the month when I get cramps, earth grounding, life-changing. Don't take our word for it. Go and try it yourself. Go and check out the show notes. It's one of those ones that... Oh, gosh. Imagine if we didn't do it. I'd be like, what the heck? And find it be like, Wow. Okay, number four, we're going to talk about breathwork, but specifically we want to talk about a breathwork track that we found from Shivarosa, and this is her guided rhythmic breathwork. We're going to put it in the show notes. You can go check it out on Spotify. It's for free online, and oh my gosh, this breathwork is such an experience, and I feel like when it comes to breathwork, I've tried many different types of breathworks, and I've had so many that I love or that I really enjoyed, but the reason this one hits home for me is at the end of 2022, I got really unwell. I was in Cyprus and I got an ear infection that ended me up in hospital. And then I had like a few months of really recovering there. And during that recovery, I had a a pretty intense experience where I could hear my heartbeat (laughs) in my head every second of every day. And I was really kind of in a bit of a, a, a second dark night of the soul, I would say. It was a very big spiritual kind of experience and and quite a traumatic experience. And one of the things that was really difficult during that time was meditation. Our normal mindspo meditation method the practice that has saved my life and you know just being such a huge part of my life was hard because I wasn't able to just kind of get into it because I could just hear this beating in my head but what I found that could change that was by listening to music and really loud music but as we all know not all music is the same and listening to a lot of loud rock music and Machine Gun Kelly isn't necessarily going to make you more positive. (laughs) I then discovered Shivaros's work and I tried this rhythmic breath work that she has and oh my gosh, this is a breath work that I love because it is super energizing and it is a massive pick you up. And I think the thing that's really interesting with breath work and why it is so life-changing if you haven't tried it is breath work is such a visceral experience. It is a way for you to let go of stored trauma and trapped energy in your body and really release that through the power of your breath. And when you are holding on to a lot of energy and trauma and pain and suffering and, and just feelings that you have been suppressing, Something like breath work can allow this really cathartic release through the power of your breath, through the power of breathing in a rhythm, and then getting to that place of mental stillness. So Chris loves his breath work as well, don't you, babe? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's another one of those things where 
you wouldn't think it would do anything just to breathe differently,、mm-hmm. but it is tremendous the effect that you can have. It's literally like drug-like euphoria and a meditative stillness inside of your mind after just basically hyperventilating for a period of time. It's fascinating. The first time I found out about breathwork was on the Joe Rogan podcast with Wim Hof. I was、mm-hmm. on a train in Germany, and then he starts talking about all this stuff about you know releasing all the carbon dioxide in your body and being able to hold your breath for a long period of time. And I remember I paused the podcast on the. Train and I just said, okay, let me take one breath and just hold my breath and see how long I can hold it. And it was about thirty to forty seconds. Then I did twenty deep breaths, breathing in more than I was breathing out. Then I tested myself again, and suddenly it was three minutes. Wow! It was wild. I mean, I've had moments where I'll just start breathing deeply while I'm walking through a city, and then I'll see how long I can hold my breath while I'm just walking. And suddenly I don't have to breathe anymore for like streets.、Mm. You know, just and it's it's super fascinating. Another one of these cutting edge. Areas that people are still discovering so many new things about all of the effects, and I think it's so, something that we can just optimize. Like how you breathe is something that you can fully optimize that can shift your life. And one thing I want to say is that for me, sometimes breath work can be a bit scary. I was really scared when I first discovered breath work, and I thought it was just like a really intense thing. And I, I, I feel like this breath work specifically that I'm talking about, it's a gentler breath work.、Yeah. And the thing is, Shivarasa is a music producer, so this breath work isn't just a breath work. Like if you know me, you know I love experiences. I'm all about experiences, and that's what we're about. Like on Manifesty app, we're about creating people getting into these experiences. And she is a music producer, so not only is it breathwork, but it's a soundscape. And I'm just、oh, I have yeah, such、amazing. a connection with it. So that will be in the show notes as well. If you want to try it out, if you do, tag us, tag Shivarosa. She's she's a legend. We love her. Okay, so for the next one, let's talk about colored lights. I would say this is probably the easiest and cheapest way to have a very large impact on how you live your life. So, about ten years ago, I bought a coloured light from a Kickstarter project. It was an Australian inventor who wanted to reinvent the light bulb and create a light bulb that could last ten years. During this project, he realised that the light bulb hadn't actually changed in God knows a hundred years, and so he created this LED light that you could control from your phone. And many people know these now. Philips has a version of this as well. But being able to change the atmosphere in any given room, like your living room, by putting a purple light over here and an orange one over there, and a, a blue one when you want to work late, or a red one when you want to go to sleep at night, it is. Amazing! You can optimize how you live and how you feel. Like if you have friends coming over, being able to just like click a couple buttons on your phone, and suddenly it's like you're in a nightclub restaurant environment rather than just the same old light bulb. You know these these bulbs cost fifty, sixty, seventy dollars, and I've been using them now for almost ten years. I mean, I literally travel with three light bulbs, and I screw them in when we stay in random Airbnbs. Even right now during the podcast, like we're using it to color, light the background. So honestly, being able to change the color of the space that you're in、mm-hmm. to suit whatever mood you want is such a life changing thing. It, it is you will underestimate it until you start to utilize this. And I just want to say something that we've realized is we've obviously been running retreats for years. And one thing that we did when we ran our retreats house is LifeX actually sponsored the Mindspray、yep. Mansion. They sent us a whole bunch of colored lights, and the transformations, the deep work, and 
just the shifts that happened in people at night because of the change in lighting was so profound. There is a massive difference with someone having a conversation under a bright white light to someone having a conversation under a literal pink glowing orb with a purple fade in the background. It gets people to act in such a different way. And when you think about nightclubs, I think that's so interesting. A nightclub is a nightclub because there is so many things happening. There's lights, there's flashing things, there's lasers, there's drinks, there's music, like these things, they trigger a a different state of being in us. And I feel like people don't realize that you can actually use many elements that we have known through nightclubs or going out when you're sober and they still elicit a response and a shift in you. And you don't need alcohol to change your state. Sometimes you just need lighting, some good music and just some good people around you. And you could literally feel like you're high or you're, you know, drinking or something and you're not. No, honestly, I would, what I would actually say is for me it used to be that when the sun goes down is like the end of the day Mm -hmm. okay the best part of the day is now over now you turn on a couple lights and then we you know we watch television for two hours and then we go to sleep or something with colored lights it's like the day continues because suddenly you can be all creative you can create a mad atmosphere put on some music you can even there's like settings where you can have the the color changing you can even have the color responding to the music there's all kinds of wonderful things you can do and you know all you need is two or three of these bulbs it's literally a couple hundred bucks and you will start having an impact from those every single day. Mm. So highly, highly recommend it. Huge optimization opportunity for anyone who just wants to make their life feel more creative and more calm and comfortable and, and just interesting. I'll say one thing. How funny is it that our whole entire app is basically inspired by our love of colored lights? Literally. Like if you look at Manifesty and you go into the meditations and you see the color fades, this has been our aesthetic for 10 years because Sol and I are never sitting at home. Like you will not walk into our house and see a white light on you will see a rainbow of colors and Mm. that's just how we live our lives and it's life-changing yes number six i think i'm gonna let you one take the take (laughs) take take the mic on this one baby i'm gonna finish my matcha and just tune out so let me just say that sometimes tiny little changes can have really large impacts on your day-to-day life and Mm. i want to share one of those with you so About eight, nine years ago, I was sitting in a sauna with a good friend, Nick Broadhurst. Shout out to Nick. And we were talking about all kinds of -of out-of-the-box topics, and we got on to going to the toilet. Is this something that could be optimized? And lo and behold, he let me in on a little trick, a little adjustment that has, once you do it, you'll never look back. Basically, it's like this. When you go to the toilet, you're sitting down, right, for number two. For millions of years, you evolved to when you go number two, you would not sit in a semi-squat like that. And so here's the thing. When you're sitting at the height of a toilet, there are things in your body that don't line up the way they're meant to. And so you start to strain. It starts to take a long time. You know, people start to put like books and cartoons and bring their phone and all this stuff because they're literally spending hours on the toilet every week. Here's what you do. You take one leg out of your pants and you put it on the rim of the toilet. And suddenly, things inside of your body line up totally different. And within seconds, the show is over. 
And the show. Ain't it, yeah, the show. The exactly. Show. It's a well, show? it's not a show anymore. It's just a commercial now. It's a commercial break. One commercial. Look, here's the thing. There there are medical conditions that people struggle with. You know, there are I, I I'm not a doctor, but I know that there are things that people struggle with where they strain and they create damage and then they deal with these things. I reckon that a lot of that would be mitigated if you were actually going to the toilet the way you're meant to, which is in basically a full squat mm. or at least a half full squat like that. So it's funny, laugh all you want, but it will save a lot of time, first of all. It will save you a lot of struggle. And it may even mean that you won't deal with some you know, otherwise embarrassing seeming conditions that most people will potentially deal with later on in life. I know people who deal with issues related to going to the toilet. And I, I think they wouldn't be if they had known this a long time ago. So They'd just listen to the Mindscape Give it podcast. a try. Give it a try. And you know what? If you want a better explanation than this, go onto YouTube and type in the Squatty Potty. There is an amazing TV commercial where some where they're selling this this basically plastic kind of device that helps you just lift your feet up a little bit taller. And they did an amazing job at explaining this with like this Robin Hood character and a unicorn that poops out soft serve, rainbow colored soft serve, because you have to make fun of it in order to be able to talk about it. So Mm. honestly, tiny little life hack, you'll start using it every single day. Thank me later. Can I add on to that? Can you mention the other thing that you have recently told me about when you go to the bathroom? <laughs> oh, I came up with an amazing manifestation technique. Oh this is You can turn going to the toilet into personal development. So here's what you do. When you go to the toilet, think about whatever is holding you back. Think about whatever like, lack mindset, you know, old stories, whatever it is you want to let go of. Picture it in your head, then move it into your abdomen, then... Let nature take its course and then push the button to flush it. <laughs> I'm telling you, you walk out of the bathroom feeling lighter in more ways than one. <laughs> I think I've mentioned this all a few times. I'm like, how did your letting go ceremony go? And Chris is like, better than ever. I feel great. I'm over it. Like, we'll have a fight. And then Chris will go to the bathroom. We'll come out. I'm like, I'll be right back. I'm, I'm like, how was the letting go ceremony, babe? <laughs> Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Moving on from how to use the bathroom and have a letting go ceremony yep. through taking a shit, I think we should talk about something that has been a big thing in our life, and that's number seven, and that is personality tests. Yeah. Now, who this one, I just want to caveat this one by saying I think personality tests are really, really powerful. However, I am not someone that thinks that, you know, someone can tell you everything of who you are. You can't really sum someone up through a test, right? However, personality tests can give you a lot of awareness and they can also not only give you a lot of awareness on yourself, but more so the thing that we want to talk about today is how seeing the personality test results or the results of other people doing these tests can give you more awareness on other people. And in our relationship, we've been together 12 years, staying together with someone for 12 years requires you to really surrender wanting to change that person, deep acceptance, love and appreciation for who they are and to come to an understanding that that person is doing their best and they are their own soul on their own experience. You are not two halves making a whole. That is not what we believe. You are on your own soul's quest and you're coming together as two wholes together. And you have to accept that person that you're with as a whole. And that's a big thing. You don't want to look at your partner and go, well, I accept half of you and the other half of you I'm really pissed off about and I want to change and I want to adjust. It's like, no, this person is a multifaceted diamond. And if you're dating a Gemini like I am, maybe they're a really big multifaceted diamond and you have to love and accept them 
all for every single part of them. So personality tests has really helped us do that. Yeah, it's funny when you mention personality tests, a lot of people are very adverse to them. They'll be like, oh, why would you want to put yourself in a box? And that Mm -hmm. must be all. It's like, it's like this. Most people are on a quest, whether they know it or not, to try to understand who they are. And people say, you know, people come to our Bali retreats, for instance, they're like, who am I? I'm trying to find myself. I'm trying to find myself. Here's the challenge. Most people aren't trying to find themselves. They're trying to find a way to describe in the English language what and who they are. And here's the thing. What you actually are cannot ever be put into words because it's the essence of the universe formed into a human being, right? But what I will say is that there are patterns and there are tests that can elicit an understanding of these patterns the universe whilst every one of us is unique there are there are similarities between a lot of us there are different categories and so people have spent a lot of time and intention over hundreds and thousands of years to create ways to understand you know using the stars using birth charts using traits whatever And there are many amazing personality tests that you can use just to get another piece of the puzzle. You're a puzzle. You're trying to solve your puzzle. This isn't going to solve all of it. Hell no. And the puzzle will even change over your life. But at the very least, it can give you a little bit. And I know for me, when I did the first ever personality test that I did, that I remember anyway, because maybe I did some when I was younger or something, but the first significant personality test that I did was the Myers-Briggs personality test. It's a very famous one, the MBTI. You can do it at 16personalities.com. It'll be in the show notes. Yeah. And so there's a whole bunch of questions that you ask, and then it tells you, oh, one of 16 categories. And you'll suddenly be like, You'll read about yourself and be like, that's me. That's not you. That's me, though. Now, the thing that I, you know, for me, it's all about what can you practically take away from this? And so when I understood your personality test, Mm -hmm. which is an ENTP, whereas I'm an ENFJ, one of the key takeaways was that you're an extroverted thinker. Meaning for you to make sense of reality, you have to speak a lot. You, If you have a challenge, you have to get it out. And ideally, there's somebody there to listen to it and be able to, you know, give you something back or at least receive it. And so one way that personality tests really helped us in our relationship was that I used to try to solve your problems whenever mm-hmm. you started telling me about your problems. So you tell me something and, you know, I like to summarize things into very small packets, but you will take a lot longer to get there. So you'll start telling me some story and about some issue that you've got. And one minute in, I'll interrupt you and I'll be like, oh, you should do this and try that. And then you'd be like, no, but that doesn't. And suddenly, rather than me listening to the challenge that you were dealing with, you and me start debating our different approaches and then maybe even have an argument after years in our relationship and then me doing this personality test and understanding oh this is how you actually interface with reality this is how you function Mm -hmm. you know what i started doing is i would start to listen and then when my mind would be like oh you should interrupt and tell her how to do whatever i would literally bite the tip of my tongue in my mouth i go no 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 just let her do it and you know what's funny half the time you'd actually already solved the problem You just needed to tell me for five to 10 minutes about the whole journey from start to finish. And then it's like, oh, thanks so much for listening. That really helped me. And I'm like, wow, that's holy crap. That was such a life hack in our relationship. It helped our relationship so much. And I would not have known that if I hadn't done that personality test. Yeah. And one thing I learned about Sol is he's an extroverted feeler, which Mm -hmm. means that In our relationship, if I do that classic girl thing that sometimes we do where we basically like leave a message and be like, oh, fine, or just kind of leave something on a really kind of not unfinished but saying it's finished kind of no and playing a mind game, that would eat soul alive. And, you know, I don't – I think one thing in our relationship is I – 
we fight, of course, like anyone, right? But I, one thing we're really big on is getting back to the present moment. Like I love Chris to death. I never want Sol to, you know, feel miserable, whether it's through me or someone else. Like, you know, even if I'm annoyed at him, I don't want him to be feeling shit the whole entire day. That doesn't make me feel good as a person. Like I have too much self-awareness for that kind of shit. I don't play mind games, my relationship anymore. If I did, we wouldn't be in a 12-year relationship. And when I started to realize that, you know, just not fully completing something or, you know, not ending something and kind of leaving something hanging over him was really damaging him. And it wasn't only just damaging him, but it was damaging our businesses. It was damaging our lives, our income, his friendships, because, you know, I would leave a conversation and just be like, oh, fine, whatever. Wouldn't really kind of close it. And then rather than Sol being like, eh, fuck, I'm just going to go off and do my thing now. Sol would literally sit there and be like still feeling into it and feeling affected by it. And then his whole entire day, instead of having a good day, it would be like a downer day. So I think when you can understand the people around you, it can create so much acceptance. And, you know, one way you can also do this is astrology. That's also helped us. But just understanding the people in your life on a deeper way, not only through the ways that you know them and the things that you see in them, but personality tests, astrology, love languages, a lot of these things can show us the more unconscious things that we're not really seeing in the person that might be going on beneath the surface. And I think that's so important when it comes to humans. There are a lot of things that you might consciously see in someone and then you you could just label us, oh, they're like this or they're like this or that person's really shy. But it's like, well, maybe there's something subconsciously deeper that's making them like that, that they're moving through. And having that acceptance and, you know, holding them for who they are as a whole rather than just labeling them and saying, oh, they're shy. It's like, well, you know, or, or that person talks too much. It's like, well, actually, I don't talk too much. I have to talk to, in order to get it out. Yeah. And how I actually come up with my best ideas. Like sometimes for me, it's crazy. We were doing a project the other day and I literally was like, Chris, I need your brain for half an hour. I just need someone to bounce off. And that half an hour of soul just being there, allowing him to like listen to me and talk to me, it figured out my head so much. So yeah. Like if I can just say, like honestly, this stuff is so deep. Yes. And and the amount of people on this planet that are in pain because they are in a mismatched situation. Yeah. They have a story in their head about who they are because somebody said something once 20 years ago and they're like, Well, I'm like this. And then if they were to do one of these personality tests or a bunch of them, they'd be like, Hang on a minute, this is actually one of my strengths, or mm. I'm or this is my weakness, right? Like you might be working in a clothing store dealing with people all day long or in a customer complaints department, and then it turns out that you're you're an introvert and you're an extroverted feeler. For so you're instance. in hell. So you're in hell. Every time somebody yeah. is complaining about the company and you're listening, you're taking that in as if it's you. Yeah. So there are all these different dynamics at play. And, you know, for me, for instance, I found out that I'm not meant to do the same thing over and over and over. Like I could be criticized for like, oh, you know, why don't you ever finish something? And it's like, because I'm literally meant to start lots of things. And then I'm supposed to get really good at outsourcing and getting help, mm. getting other people. And then there's other people who are like, I never start anything, but I love taking something that somebody else started and make it better and take it for the long term. There are all these different personality types in humans, different types of humans on the planet for different roles and different activities. And if you don't know what your strengths are and your weaknesses are, and you're just going off like whatever your uncle said once when you were 12 or, or your teacher who, you know, is looking at 30 kids in a room and they're like, you're good at this and you're good at that. It, it, there's a lot of mismatches. There's a lot of opportunity for, for optimizing and calibrating and self-awareness there. And if you're not doing these structured tests, it'll probably be a lot, lot 
more challenging to have these these downloads. Yeah, can I say something from an entrepreneurial point of view on this one, which is huge? We recently hired someone called Annalise in our team. Mm. Shout out to Annalise. Hope you're listening. Um, Annalise is a legend, right? And I'll be very transparent. When we first hired Annalise, I was like, hmm. I don't know why, but I just, this is not the sort of like person I would have hired. Not because there's anything wrong with Annalise. Annalise is amazing. But I have been making this mistake my whole entire entrepreneurial life where I'm always hiring people hiring like, like me. I'm always hiring myself. And the one person that's worked for me for six years, that is my absolute gun, Inez. She is not like me. And that's why we're perfect because we have strengths and weaknesses. But in all my other hiring decisions, I'm always hiring people that are very similar to me. Now, Soul found Annalise. We hired Annalise. She's well, literally Annalise found us. well, Annalise found us, but then you hired her. Annalise is literally the missing piece in our company mm. because she's systemized. She gets excited about things that I dread. It's so interesting. And I think if you were looking at, you know, stepping into entrepreneurship, learning how to understand and see that everyone is unique and has their strengths and weaknesses and accept people for their wholeness yeah. rather than just trying to always look for people like yourself is such a blessing. And I feel like it makes you I, I have so many people in my life now because I, I'm no longer just looking for people like me. I'm like, I'm looking for people that are different from me and I love those people and they are so valuable. Yes. And, oh, it's, yeah. Yeah. Personality tells self-awareness, starting to understand other people, learning about other people and learning to accept other people as they are rather than change them and look for their strengths and accept their weaknesses. Life-changing. Yes. Okay. Oh, the next life, the, you know what? It's the top of the list. You know this is coming yeah, if you we, listen to the We didn't the want to put podcast. it at the beginning because we don't want to be a broken record, but... But it's coming. You know what it is? Uh, meditation. Oh, my God. <laughs> Look, if... If we did not discover meditation, nothing on this list else would have been discovered because this was the one thing that changed everything. Yes. It transformed our lives in more ways than we can count. It continues to transform our lives and the lives of other people that we meet. I think that one of the most beautiful things I'll say about meditation is that this is the gift of all gifts. And one of the most life-changing things in my life has been able to meet people and pass on the gift of meditation and then see their lives change. And that to me as the gift that meditation has given me is the most life-changing thing of all because it's through meditation that we do this podcast it's through meditation that mindspo exists it's through meditations that we do manifest the app or our retreats it is the foundation of absolutely everything you know we were before we were started recording this exact episode sol and i i was getting a little ratty um ratty. I, get, I get a little ratty sometimes yeah get a little ratty and a little uh, get a little angry and a little short and a little ratty yep. a little feisty a little fuck you a little scruffy. A little scruffy. Little, a little feral. Yeah, a little feral. You get a little feral. I do. I get a little feral. Yeah, I'm a little, little feral I'm a little bush fuck, pig. I'm a little fucking feral bush trying pig. Trying to bite my ankles. Yeah, I fucking was annoyed at you. I was annoyed <laughs> at the house. I was annoyed at everything. I was like, fuck the world. And then I did a 20 minute mindset meditation oh. and I came out and I was like, oh, I am so excited to record this podcast. And we literally went to go get a matcha. And all the way down the matcha, we just talked about, you know, how crazy is it that we can go from feeling so off balance to doing a meditation and literally feeling like we have woken up for the second time today and felt like the day has completely started again. I don't know anything else in my life that has that effect. It's like, you know, people say, oh, did you wake up on the wrong side of the bed? That usually comes with the idea that you're going to have to wait until tomorrow so that you can then wake up on the right side of the bed. Not this if you is, meditate. This is how you can literally undo that and mm -hmm. get out of bed on the right side without yep. actually having to go to bed. 
You're just going to have to sit down and stay still for about 20 minutes mm -hmm. and then just ignore your mind until it shuts up. Mm -hmm. And my God, it's like if your brain is a computer, this is the reset button. So imagine you have a computer and you don't know how to reboot it. Well, what's that thing look like after a few weeks? 5,000 tabs, memories running out, it's overheating. Like that was my brain until I learned meditation. And I see it everywhere. I see people getting very stressed and very anxious over the tiniest little thing. Mm -hmm. They have sleeping problems and they get jealous and they get, you know, resentful and they hold on to trauma and anger and all these kind of things for There's, the longest periods of time. I'm always so oh amazed God. by how there are so many people that are still so identified with the voice inside their mm -hmm. head. Like when I learned meditation, I learned and started to discover that the voice is just a voice it's not actually me so yeah sometimes I have days where the voice it gets fucking ratty and it's not good and it's not positive but I realize it's just a voice it's not me and if I wasn't meditating I would have no awareness over that because I would be so over identified with the mental chatter that I'd get so caught up in whatever's going on on the news or this or that there's always we are living in a time when there is always going to be something going wrong there is always something happening that people can be like haven't you heard about this and it's like yeah I have but I'm not letting that affect my inner world because that's the outer world and I realize that my inner world cre creates the outer world and I need to focus on calming this down because if I don't control this then I can't control anything outside of myself because the only thing you can control in your life is you so control the controllables and let fuck go of everything else yeah i mean it's it's about realizing that you're actually a cave person yeah and if you really look into this and you understand that like we haven't biologically changed in 200,000 years mm -hmm. you know we've changed hair color skin color eye color from moving to different climates but overall a, a cave person 200,000 years ago had the exact same capability to become an influencer build an e-com brand use chat gpt or whatever exactly the same so which makes you then realize like okay so hang on a minute if i'm a cave person in 2023 what does that look like? What are the implications of that? What are the evolutionary mismatches? Well, it's for quite simple. If you have a television in your room and you turn it on and it starts showing you a horror show about like the highlights of terrible things in the world, then you're like a cave person mm -hmm. sitting in a cave with like screaming animals around you. You're going to be continually in a state of fight or flight. And most people are. Yep. And here's the thing. What happens when somebody's in fight or flight? Well, they start to pay attention. So, you know, here's a, here's a good idea. Show people a bunch of horrible things and then show them a Hungry Jack's ad. And then they'll actually pay attention. So this is a way that you can harness people's attention. And, you know, companies do this. We live in a, an amazing time of technology, but everything is always a double-edged sword. You know, we can suddenly consume anything and learn anything. Yeah, but we can also suddenly be affected by almost anything and everything. Mm. And here's the thing. If you have 7 billion people, guess what? Every day people are going to be falling down the stairs. They're going to be f falling into the ocean, tripping over, having arguments, punching each other in the head. But if you're watching a show on the television that's constantly showing you people falling down the stairs all day long, then you you're going to believe you live in a world where everybody's falling down the stairs, but that's just not the case. It's the safest time we've ever been alive. It's the most higher potentiality time. You could be a teenager and start a company for like 20 bucks. You know, there's, you can fly to anywhere in the world today and you can rent an apartment there before even going there. That was never a thing. So it is an insane time, time to, be, to alive. be alive. Like this right now is literally digital telepathy the fact that you can hear yeah. us in the future somewhere it, this is a time machine 
it's an amazing time to be alive. But most people are still stuck in 200,000 before Christ, basically, and just living, white-knuckling it through this existence. And meanwhile, it's so close. You're so close. Like, it's another one of these forehead slap. If you understood, if you're not meditating and you went and actually started to, to understand it and you started doing it, you're going to slap your forehead. And you're going to be like, my God, I cannot believe I haven't been doing it. I can't believe everyone in my family. There's so many arguments and bullshit stress moments and, and you know, judgments and differences of opinion that turn into some spiraling argument because everybody's so over-identified with the voice inside of their head. And if you just understood that the voice inside of your head isn't always right, it's constantly absorbing information and then it's talking to you. And if you think that your head is always telling you the truth, then guess what? You're going to be running into a lot of other people who also think that their head is telling them the truth. And then they have suddenly a difference of opinion. Oh my God. And then you'll be arguing with them until the cows come home. And at the end, nobody won anything. Facts. With all that said, point number nine. Now, this is something that a mindset and a piece of awareness that we learned from meditation that has been so life-changing. And that is to have a healthy mistrust for the mind. And through meditation, you start to quieten that inner bitch, that critic, that voice inside your head that is always pulling you down. And you can start to create distance from that. And creating that distance allows you to have a healthy mistrust for the mind because the mind is not always right. The mind is always talking, but it's not always right. And the thing is, unless you start to question your mind, you're not actually going to really get where you could be in this life. Because if you just listen to everything that your mind is saying and you believe it is true, you're going to be living a very limited life because your mind is constantly trying to keep you safe. And I think this is one thing that I really discovered through meditation, that my mind was always trying to keep me safe, keep me small, keep me limited, hold me back. It had a lot of stories and lacks and limitations and fears and, and worries and concerns. And when I was listening to all of those, I was living a very small, limited life. And when I started to disconnect from all of those fears, all those voices, all those things that said I can't, and I instead started to to think a greater thought, started to disconnect, started to really feel into my body, feel into my heart. And rather than asking my head, like, is, it, is this good? Should I do this? Ask my heart, how does this feel? What would it feel like to do this? Does this feel like expansion or contraction? Like starting to ask my body rather than asking my mind has been so life-changing and starting to trust my heart, trust the, the wisdom in my body rather than trusting my mind has shifted everything. Really, this is, you know, this is like the birth of self-awareness oh, yeah. in, in the truest form. It's it's really about shifting your perspective to not just accepting the, the noise in your head as like a part of you and, and it's the truth and it's me but instead looking at it like almost personifying it as something outside of yourself it's like it's like you've got a roommate you know and you can't get rid of this roommate but this roommate is very paranoid is very anxious is a mad overthinker very obnoxious constantly talking to you very random a lot of random stuff coming out of my roommate's mouth and when you can start to observe your mind like that and, and hold it to the same standard as you would to an actual person in your life a lot of things start to change. Because yep. you ever had a moment where, I don't know, there's some anticipatory moment, something's going to happen 10 minutes from now, you, you see something and your mind starts going crazy. It starts going like, oh my God, what if it's this? What if it's that? It starts making you anxious. Oh my God, oh, this could be terrible. This could be that. And then the moment happens and it's a total non-event, right? This happens to most people every bloody day. It's like, you know, you're waiting for some text message, anxious as hell. And then the text message comes in, it's just somebody being very calm and, and understanding. And you're like, oh, that wasn't so bad. The funny thing is, we just move on in that moment 
as if we don't actually question what just happened because we just accept like, yeah, yeah, that's just fine, you know? But if it was an actual person, if you had a friend with you and you're waiting for something to happen, you know, whether you're going to get the job or something and your friend's like, oh my God, what happens if you don't get the job? Maybe, maybe they hate you. Maybe you're going to get fired. Maybe you're going to be homeless after this and everything's going to be terrible and you're going to, you're going to be homeless and all this kind of stuff. And then they go, oh yeah, we're giving you the job. You would immediately turn to your friend and be like, fuck you, <laughs> you know, like screw you for, for doing that to me. But we don't. And so when you start to hold your mind to the same standard, you realize that you can't really trust it and you need to learn to train it. It's your friend. It wants you to stay safe, but it's like an overprotective mother. You know, like if you actually listen to it the whole time, you'd be very scared all the time. You wouldn't live your truest potential. You would limit yourself in many ways. You know, you'd become extremely self-conscious in like a negative way, whereas you can become self-conscious in the sense that you become just aware that, you know, it has these flaws and it's doing its best. And it's your little buddy that's always with you, that's always overthinking and always anxious. And you could be like, oh, yeah. And, you know, there's a great saying, which is uh, one day you'll have a negative thought and you'll laugh. And that's when you know you've made great progress. And so it's that ability. And this, this for me, at the very least, only comes from meditating. Yeah. Meditating is, is, the, is, the, is the gym workout for that ability to be able to observe my mind from a third-party perspective and have it say something to me and try to trigger some emotion, some way of thinking and choosing the opposite or just even just ignoring it. That strength is continually reinforced and built by a 20-minute per day meditation practice. And if I don't do that, after a while, I just start listening to it and I start believing it. And then I start getting, I start assimilating to it. And I start seeing the world through the same lens that my inner caveman roommate basically perceives the world as. 100%. Last one, number 10. So going from that point, one thing that we learned through meditation and, you know, having a healthy mistrust for the mind is that the mind isn't always positive and it is, you know, overwhelmingly negative. It has a lot of negative things to say. It is very much focusing on lack. It, it does this to keep us alive. This is how we have evolved as humans by looking for problems, looking for concerns. And the thing is, this thing is overactive. And I feel like a lot of people, they label when you start talking about positivity, they're like, oh, toxic positivity. I'm like, oh, okay, yes, I understand that. This isn't about toxic positivity, but it is about the awareness that your brain is programmed and is just in an automatic response to focus on the negative. And in order to you know, have a more balanced life, to have a more equal life, a more whole life, in my opinion, you need to train your mind to focus on the positive, to really seek and look for things that are going well. This is something that I have really implemented in my life in a, a really big way. And it's something that I have really made a pillar of our relationship. Gratitude for me is not just something that I say, oh, go practice gratitude, you know, do it after you know, do meditation or, or write it down. Gratitude for me is a daily ritual that I take very, very seriously. And it is a pillar of my existence as a human. And if I didn't do gratitude the way that I do it every single day, there is no way that I would have the experience of life that I do. And I feel like a lot of people hear about gratitude, they know about gratitude, but they're not practicing it. And one thing that we do in our lives that has changed our lives dramatically is that every single day, multiple times, usually twice or three times a day, I will turn to Chris and I will say, baby, what are you grateful for? Three things and why? And we say out loud what we're grateful for one for one. And we say why we're grateful for it. This practice started in Bali. And we started doing it in Bali and it was something that we did every time we rode the scooter. So we'd get on the scooter, I'd be behind Sol and I'd be have my little head next to his head. And I'd be like, 
hey, baby, what are you grateful for times three? Like, tell me what and why. And then Sol would, as he was driving, speak out, I am so grateful for the sun shining today because yesterday was raining and it's so good. And then I would say, I'm so grateful for Inez who works for us because she did this amazing illustration. I'm just so happy that she's been with us for six years and she just makes me feel so supported and loved. Like we would just speak out loud the things that were important to us. And This has brought so much awareness to our lives. And one way that it has brought a lot of awareness is that a lot of the times Sol will say something that he's grateful for that I wasn't even thinking of, that was kind of just not on my radar. So Sol will say, oh, I'm so grateful for that I got to play PlayStation with Jules and Aaron and Stefan and we played some shooting game. And probably the night before when he was playing that game, I was complaining about like, oh God, you're on the PlayStation again. But then he would say why he was grateful for that thing. And he'd say, oh, and I'm grateful for that because when we play that game it makes me feel like I'm with my mates and we're digital nomads and expats so I'm not usually with my friends in person and I just had like that man time and having your partner say what they're grateful for and having the awareness of what actually fills up the people that you spend your time with cup is just such a beautiful piece of awareness because now there are so many things that I would look past in life that Sol was doing that I actually realize are the things that bring him the most joy. And that has been so life-changing because it has brought self-awareness to what's important to both of us. And it's also given us a chance to really celebrate the small stuff. I feel like in relationships and in life, the people that you are closest to in your your life are the people that you complain to the most. They're the people that hear the things that you're struggling with, the things that are bringing you down. But the problem is those are also the people that you want to push up the most. Those are people that you want to connect with the most. And we bond in such a deeper way when we also connect not only with our struggles, but also with the things that are doing well, because it gives us a chance to be able to celebrate other people's successes and celebrate the people that we actually really care about. So having out loud gratitude every single day so life-changing. What would you say on that, babe? Well, I'm grateful to be with a partner who is so focused on gratitude. It's because, huge. you know, before I learned meditation, I was a very, what I would call, pessimistic person. I was very, very pessimistic. I, I, I almost made negativity into a sport. Mm. You know, complaining was something I was very good at. I had a very dark sense of humor, and I still have part of that in me. But I definitely see the world through a, an extremely glass-half-full lens these days. And I didn't before I learned meditation. And, you know, meditation sets you up for gratitude, but it is an ongoing practice. And I think something to understand is that most people probably think that they're kind of grateful unconsciously, but if they actually were to play, you know, the no complaining challenge, for instance, they realize like, holy crap, like I'm complaining nine to one, you know, like positive versus negative. And I think the thing to realize, as you said before, is that the brain is rewarding itself for negativity in many ways. Nature, when you think about the fact, once again, that you're a cave person, Who do you think is going to survive more? The caveman who is very present and grateful and is always looking forward forward to the future. The future is going to be great. We don't need to, don't worry, there's always enough food. You know, we don't need to protect ourselves from the animals. Maybe the animals are really nice tomorrow. You know, maybe that's a nice saber-toothed tiger. Like versus a caveman who's like, what if, what if this person betrays me? What if we haven't got this? What if winter comes? What if that, you know, is everything locked up? Have we got a sharpened stick and whatever? So being paranoid, being anxious, being negative, being pessimistic, being more focused on 
what's wrong with the world is an evolutionary survival tactic. And we are the ancestors of thousands of generations of the most paranoid individuals. So that's what we're working with. And so if you're not actually practicing gratitude, maybe you're the one in a thousand who grew up in a very grateful family and your basic your basic programming is literally to see the world through a positive lens. Those people do exist, but they're rare, mm-hmm. right? For the rest of us, if you're not doing a practice of figuring out what can I be grateful for that I wasn't noticing previously or as regular, you will just default to negativity, which is why most people are inherently, you know, people bond over what's wrong. Hey, how you been lately? Oh, pretty shit. You know, this has been going on. Oh yeah, I've got that thing too. This is so, so normal. Mm. And so you really are doing yourself a disservice if you're not noticing these little things, these little blessings that are all around you. You know, if you have running water and you have legs and you have shelter and you have friends and family and sunshine and free time on the weekends and whatever else, these are all amazing blessings that can give you so much return and happiness. And, you know, you can learn a lot from finding out the things, the top regrets of people who are on their deathbeds, because guess what? People are dying all the time and these people still have voices and they say, what do I regret? The biggest regret is people wish that they'd allowed themselves to be happier, Mm. which basically just means that if they could go back in time, they would have gone to a moment where they would have complained about something and been, been annoyed about it. And they would have loved to just switch that to, God, I'm just really happy that I'm here right now. Like that's the actual practical application that what they would have changed would have been moment by moment, focusing on the positive rather than the negative. So don't wait until you're on your deathbed. Like, start doing it now. Mm-hmm. And you'll realize, like, there's so much stuff around you that you take for granted. Yep. You, you don't even realize. So if you want to try this, all you need to do in order to feel more gratitude in your life is turn to the person that you live with or that you're around on a day-to-day basis, look them in the eyes, give them a smile and say, hey, what are you grateful for and why? Let's do one for one times three and just try it out. Try yeah. it every single day for a month. And I'm telling you now that could seriously change your life. So those are our 10 things. This has been deep diving with the souls. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, be sure to let us know. If you haven't already rated and reviewed the podcast, please do. I cannot tell you how much that helps us out. We cannot wait to have another conversation with you soon. We can't wait to hear what you think about this episode on social media. I'm at Rochelle underscore Fox. We are at Mindspo and Chris is... At Chris Soul, S-O-L-L. Amazing. And I also wanted to mention to you guys, we have a TikTok. So if you want to see the shorts of these videos, if you want to catch up on all of the content and what this is looking like and just get more Mindspo into your day-to-day life, then be sure to follow us on TikTok because we're posting TikToks there every single day with all these little shorts from the episode so we can give you the highlights so you won't miss a thing. We're sending you so much love and we'll see you in the next one thank you for joining me for this episode you can discover more from mindspo on instagram and tiktok by following at mindspo and myself at rochelle underscore fox if this episode inspired you then please pass it on and share the love And if you're new to our world and you want to elevate your mind and step into your best self, then be sure to download our app Manifesty from the App Store and take advantage of the free trial. With Manifesty, you can create your own vision board movies, practice powerful meditations and set affirmation reminders so your phone supports your journey towards that abundant vision of your future. And lastly, always remember, you create your own reality. So go and make some magic. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.